Come one, come all to the After Dark Podcast. The podcast in which Sheriff Anthony does his best to wrangle Conrad through Westworld, one doggone episode at a time. So kick back and grab yourself some Apple Jack, or some Adam's Ale if that's your preferred poison, and get ready for these two wannabe cowboys to ramble the night away. Music is provided by the fantastic Nancy White and Jared Iscariot. Enjoy the show! Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony James, and that's Conrad. Hello there! Hello, Conrad. Well, how are you this week? I'm very well. Um, we we got Neil Marshall directing last week's episode, and wouldn't you know it, we got Vincenzo Di Natale, director of Cube, for this week's episode. So I'm oh. looking forward to when another random director who whose work I'm a fan of shows up uh, for uh, for next week's episode. Yeah, so it's it, HBO can get the big names, can't they? They can get the they can get the good ones. But uh, I actually we haven't talked about this yet, Conrad. But my question to you is. This was definitely, when Westworld first came out, it was definitely sort of viewed as the replacement to Game of Thrones. I know it came mm. out a couple of years before Game of Thrones ended, but it was sort of the big next blockbustery show that was going to take it over. Do you think in this first season they're, they're, they're doing doing that the right way? Are they, are, does it look like the potential it could could do that? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the production quality is definitely there. I think, like, the... Uh, the problem with trying to replicate the success of Game of Thrones is that, like, it had it, it it found obviously it cost a lot of money to make, but it also just like kind of found that like lightning in a bottle of you know it had sex and political intrigue and violence. Like, it had a bit of something for everyone in that show, um, which is what made it so popular. And which is not to say this doesn't have that, but I think it's it's a harder sell to um get people to buy into just like a western as opposed to you know fantasy with dragons and ice zombies and all that kind of stuff um but definitely for my money i mean it's the production quality is there and you know the quality of writing and storytelling is there as well so i can say i i i mean i actually don't know how popular westworld is i'm assuming it's pretty damn popular because i've heard a lot of people talk to me about it um but i don't know how it compares to game of thrones yeah i think it is pretty popular um like we've talked about a couple of times about like the second and third season not living up to the first, so maybe that contributes to not really much people talking about it anymore. Um, a lot of people I know in real life have seen Westworld, I will just say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, there we go. Um, we'll get into the breakdown, Conrad. What do you think? Let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! Okay, so the episode opens again with Dolores and Bernard. Seems every single episode opens this way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what did you make of this uh, little meeting between them? So um, I keep going back and forth on when and where I think these conversations are happening. Um, at times I'm like, is this mm. after the events we've already seen and and, it, and it, everything that we're seeing is kind of a flashback? But I don't think that's the case because mm-hmm. they talk about stuff that is coming up in the episode. You know, that last episode we saw um, Ford kind of telling Bernard to be careful and then immediately saw a conversation with him and between him and Dolores where he was saying, I don't think we can carry on these these discussions anymore. Now, it could just be that that's clever editing to kind of throw a little red herring in there, but I feel like that's probably not the case. Um, so I'm guessing this is these are taking place in one of like the lower levels of the facility that we saw in like episode one, like kind of similar to where Ford was hanging out with, with all the bodies 
on ice or not on ice, as the case may be. Um, yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Like Dolores talking very kind of like poetically about how she feels about this kind of like burgeoning sense of self, um, doors opening up inside of her, and uh, and all sorts. Um, and then Bernard saying that he wants her to play a game, like wants to get involved in the mm-hmm. maze. I I wonder if the secret of this maze is like this the fourth level of that pyramid of consciousness we saw before and it's you have to get these things to play this game to make them realize uh that final that final stage of uh of consciousness i i think that's kind of where i ended up at the end of this episode um but it's certainly yeah it's certainly thought-provoking yeah it is interesting because up until now we've sort of been made to believe through the man in black's uh mission that uh that this was a game for the guests but potentially yeah. maybe this could be also a game that the hosts could take part in as well which would you know be different than anything we've seen before really yeah yeah definitely um it, it's uh i mean i mean we don't see any other guests doing it um mm-hmm. which and there's yeah that the people who seem to be aware of it seem to have uh, either be hosts or have some kind of awareness of the inner workings of the park itself uh which makes me mm-hmm. think it's some weird easter egg that they're that they're after well it would also um lend credence to your theory your little theory there um in some way the fact that the man in black later on says to lawrence that uh he's trying to free him he's trying to you know what i mean like that he sort of mentions to him that when he when when he finishes what he's doing you know you'll be free or whatever i sort of Watching it again, I sort of thought to myself, oh, okay, that kind of matches up a little bit with Del- with Dolores playing the game as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely... I mean, I've got more to say about that whole um, spiel that the Man in Black mm-hmm. goes on about with like freeing people from their, their, their kind of um, their preset uh, patterns mm-hmm. of behaviour. But because um, I think there's a lot to be there's a lot to be mined out of that. But I, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think there's definitely they seem to be on well they are very explicitly on the same path um mm. Dolores and the man in black and to be honest a lot of other characters um seem to be like uh, on the same path by the end of this episode yeah um there was also a moment in this exchange where um Dolores said that pain and loss is all she has left of her parents um you know Bernard O face you know um <laughs> and then he said that's very pretty yeah, that's basically and, what Bernard said in the last episode. Yes, um, and then I, is that the thing that it, where he asks her if that's something they wrote for her, or if it's yeah, something that she yeah, came and up? she said she adapted it from from her script that she already has on on love. Mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it would make sense because Bernard was one of the people who wrote the scripts or wrote like you know what their reactions are to things. And it's also something that he uses in his own life as well. Like, I could understand where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably what that is. I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm like suspicious. Anytime, like, anyone starts talking like a host, I'm like, what's going on here, guys? <laughs> guys, like, mm. when they, when they start drawing those lines of comparison, um, I, I begin to get suspicious. So I, I'm, I'm certainly, I've got, I'm, I'm keeping my mind open for who is what in this show now. Um, and that was one of those moments where I was a bit like, all right, you what, you just watch it, Bernard. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Dolores, uh, just, just to sort of finish off this, Dolores finishes off by like sort of concluding, I think I want to be free. So, um, she sort of 
is gonna see. I think that that obviously means that she sort of can see see that there are confines on her life that she wants to be free of, and it also sort of is a way of confirming she will be in some way playing this game. I think. Yeah, um, I I I I think um, there's an interesting like kind of arrogance to Bernard's character throughout this uh this show so far, and definitely in this episode with this assumption that he kind of holds the keys to her fate and like mm. is allowing her to play this game and to um engage in these actions which will ultimately see her uh realize a kind of self-actualization because the impression i get from dolores as a character is that she would have figured this out one way or another eventually she doesn't actually need bernard's help to do it um he's certainly making it easier um but she has such a sort of force to her personality that I feel mm-hmm. like he is perhaps not... He perhaps doesn't appreciate quite how um, willful she is and, and, and quite how much she wants to wants to achieve this. Yep, okay. Um, so a lot of heavy stuff there at the start. A lot, of, uh, a lot of big questions. From the big questions, we go to Dolores waking up in the camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing suspicious about this, Conrad. Lovely William has a cup of, cup of tea for her. Yes, yeah. Um, so again, I mean, this is like when was this, when was that meeting happening? That's the thing that I'm struggling to get my head around mm. because, like, they didn't. I feel I, I feel like they didn't sort of take her away from camp and then put her back mm. over the course of a night. That feels weird. That would feel weird to me for them to do that. So, yeah, the chronology of those meetings between Dolores and Bernard continue to be difficult to pin down. But yeah. William brings her a, a cup of joe and um just continues to play the 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 good guy the white hat cowboy um but uh yeah it, i i this i i'm later in this episode we hear a bit about Logan and William's kind of professional relationship mm. with each other that makes me think maybe William isn't quite as good as he's portraying himself to be um or or quite as um not good, but quite as naive, maybe as he's portraying himself to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily doubt his intentions here. I think he still is, you know, trying to be a good person. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, all right, so Maeve, we get finally get some more Maeve. There was very little of a, little of her in the last episode. Yeah, if any starved, at all, starved for Maeve in the last yeah, episode. Uh, so, um, starts off with a conversation between her and Clementine. Clementine cannot get her mind out of the gutter. Let's just be honest about that. Um, Listen, it's. I mean, she's committed to her work. <laughs> she is. She <laughs> is committed you, to her work. What can you to say? To be honest with you, to the point where she was saying that maybe she she wouldn't uh, charge that fella anymore. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice that she takes pleasure in you know her work. Like we should all be so lucky as to, <laughs> to enjoy enjoy the work you enjoy do. The, enjoy the you know enjoy the work you do. That's all I'm yeah. saying. And Clementine's found a way. To make that day in day out grind a pleasure and good on her is is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, okay. Uh, also, there were actually yeah, good on that point later on. Uh, Clementine in the episode said was offering the prices for the for the for the fellas and said five pound for an hour or five dollars for an hour, four dollars if you bathe first. <laughs> it, it's just it sets the tone, doesn't it? <laughs> like for for the. For the relationships that these people have, and then and then the 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 other um, bandit guy like haggling about going second. I'll go it's second. Like, yeah. dude, Jesus Christ! Like, come on now. <laughs> like, this is 
don't ask for that that's a horrible discount to ask for um we also i, I will just mention the older uh, the old suzuma phone kicks up uh, a cure song in this uh in the, and i will keep calling it that um kicks up a yeah cure song in this uh, in this scene it's a forest is the name of the song very early cure song which i was i was i i feel like i didn't mention the licensed music in mm-hmm. the last episode, we, I'm sure there was some, and I just didn't notice it because I'm not—I—I I, I don't know the songs. But we got a couple of crackers in this one. Yeah, yeah, I really like the way they do it. It does keep coming back. Um, okay, so uh, Maeve is malfunctioning a bit. Like she's seeing this real—I like how the show's playing around with the loops now. Yeah, like they're—they're they're having them sort of their consciousness or their—their well, they don't have consciousness, but they're—they're they're sort of inner workings, sort of ex- experiencing multiple moments at the same time because it's in their memory you know um and so may starts seeing blood in clementine's eyes while she's speaking yeah and then a guy comes over and shoots her in the head uh and then she gets a whole vision of sort of the backstage area again and then she snapped back into the same moment in the loop where she's talking to clementine again uh what did you think about that little uh, um i mean so it, it's i i think the, the the main thing i took from it was the little snippet of dialogue we hear the I don't know what they call like the clean up people backstage. Call them uh, spacemen. Yeah, um, but basically saying how they don't have the time to take the bullet out of her abdomen uh, because mm-hmm. QA QA are rushing them. Um, because we've seen a few hosts who seem to be responding to wounds that they received on a previous loop. So Teddy yeah. in the first episode, after he gets shot in the chest as he's running across the street, is like rubbing. Uh, rubbing his chest when he's on the train after he's been kind of cycled back into the the storylines, which you know shouldn't make sense, presumably because they left a bullet in him as well. Um, and obviously, the bullet in Maeve will prove to be a pretty significant plot point in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And and we get confirmation that she has been. That it's it's almost like a kind of memento moment yeah. this where she's like ah oh, fuck i've got to write this down before i forget and they re- and then you know she goes to draw the spaceman and then stick it in a in the floorboards it's like oh balls i've been at this for a while and i just don't don't remember it yeah. um that, but, that must be terrifying to realize that yeah so I, I i wonder like how um i wonder how long it has actually been for her um i feel like she's probably up there with like Dolores and presumably Teddy as one of the oldest hosts in the park um given the affection that that certain uh, people working on the park seem to have for her mm-hmm. um and uh yeah she's not do- she's not doing well <laughs> she's, no, she's she's not. she's looping through some pretty horrible stuff now <laughs> yeah exactly uh all right we'll pick up with her a bit later so Teresa the security man uh Bernard and Elsie all have a little scene here yeah. And they've got the rock smash guy whose oh, head just looks lo- like a piece of popcorn. <laughs> lovely, lovely bit of gore here. Just yeah. to, just for the for the for the fans of horror at home. Just like the head just cut off it halfway down the down the oh, neck. It's so oh. strange. Great. It's it's it literally looked like a piece of popcorn or like a I don't know, like a little shell from the beach or something. Like it was really weird his head, like obviously covered yeah. in blood and everything yeah. as well. And there, there was some great little scientific mumbo jumbo talk here, yeah. where Elsie was talking about how she was, um, she had managed to stabilize its wetware. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I work in IT, but clearly I'm not good enough at my job to understand anything that they're talking about here. Um, but it, I think it, it's it was... literally just like it's wetware because it's like it's like a human brain, but it's this computer, you know. Possibly, yeah, but it's probably just a term I've never heard of. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's some great there's some great back and forth. Um, and and some interesting 
some in, some more interesting stuff from Bernard at the end of this scene. Like after there's this like back and forth about what what they're actually doing, um, and Bernard is kind of almost taking a leaf out of Ford's book in this scene where he's lying to the security people and then telling Elsie to kind of just hush up mm-hmm. what what her concerns are um and not even like engaging in a um like her her request to investigate this further to see what went on with this guy just being like that's not Orion you're seeing things the host mm-hmm. son and they're just just moving on from it yeah um he it's almost like he wants to see where this rabbit hole leads i feel uh yeah. I, I i i don't think he's doing this because of a corporate interest i think he's doing it from like professional and personal curiosity at this stage yeah so he's purposefully like sort of standing aside letting this happen because yeah he wants to see what happens but, kind of but thing. yeah but i, I and you know and i, I kind of get that on one hand but at the same time the more i think about that it's like but he's actually putting people in danger by doing this as well uh which is fairly unconscionable like i I understand being like oh you know let's just see where it goes but not letting anyone else in on the fact you're doing that is quite dangerous i think yep yep uh cool so william logan and dolores now um they are sort of hanging about william wants to take her back to sweetwater uh back to where she should be um and then, like, Logan is saying, you know, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And then I love how William says to him, can you please stop trying to kill or fuck everything? Yeah, which is a fair request, I think. <laughs> yeah, like, um, so uh, we, we find out here that the, their company has a stake in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Everything Logan, is business in their family. Yeah, and that, you know, Logan is clearly, like, the heir to some big business, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, sh- surely goes part of the way to explaining why he's such a piece of shit. Um, but it's interesting that you know William works uh, as part of this company uh, that it that has a stake in this place, which to me implies his kind of um, like I was saying before, his like naivety, like naive fascination with the hosts is maybe a little bit more of a I don't know if I'd call it a ruse because he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's lying, but it does seem like he definitely is more interested in how they function than he is in them as as than he is in their like well-being i guess mm-hmm. like i i feel like his and logan's motives for being here are maybe more aligned than they were first presented to be yeah um i, th- I think that i think that makes sense um I, I think i think as well what do you think about the the point that logan makes where he says like the park gave william something to care about the only thing that he actually sort of seemed to have any interest in in the in the original town Sweetwater was was uh Dolores and it seems like the park has quite literally put her in his lap. And what do you think there's some truth to that or do you think that it was just circumstance? Um no, I mean I th- I think they are I th- I think for by the end of this episode we see Ford directly acknowledging I can't remember exactly where it's in my notes but I'm pretty sure Ford directly acknowledges this idea of like a maze. Mm-hmm. Um and in doing so kind of reveals that he is at the very least kind of tangentially aware that, that there are people or hosts in the park who are trying to find the center of the maze and if ford is aware of it and he takes a very very keen interest in the experiences of every visitor in the park then i don't think it's by coincidence that mm-hmm. that, that dolores has ended up with william um on 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 this on this path i think it could have just i mean that they'll 
they will get there in different ways, but it could have just as easily been Teddy or or Maeve that ended up in this situation because um, these guys are headed in the right direction and uh, mm-hmm. and and they want uh, they want someone who is who who kind of fits in with their experience to to travel with them and and get to the center of whatever maze they're heading into. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I I think. Yeah, it's it's hard coming out of this episode not to just think that Ford knows everything that's going on and sort of is yeah maybe not planning, but definitely setting things in motion to happen a certain way. Um, because I think that the idea of the maze, if, in my mind, if hosts are playing the maze, wouldn't really make sense for Ford to like script them playing this 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 game. It would I would assume that he wants to set it up to see if they can finish it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think he has. I mean, it's similar to Bernard. I think they have a vested mm-hmm. interest in seeing how they do. Um, I assume it's motivated by, or or, or it, they are willing to. Ford is willing to engage in this because he believes that he has ultimate control over everything that happens. You know, if they if they achieve self consciousness or whatever is at the center of this maze, he can always switch them off and and mm-hmm. start from the beginning again. Um so he so he doesn't see it as a he doesn't see it as a risk. Um I'm I'm not sure if I agree with that assessment, uh to be honest, because the hosts seem to outnumber the people working on this park, uh to me, but we shall see. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe there's an army just sitting underground, just waiting, like sort of waiting to yeah, be called may- Maybe. Um, all right, so I mean, there, um, there is a literal army sitting underground, just yeah. not one, not one that works for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, man in black and Lawrence now, um, they're sort of continuing their journey. They're looking for snakes because of the clue that they were given. Um, just, just their luck. They managed to see a woman uh, in in the in the river with a really cool tattoo all the way around her body, up onto her face of a snake and they think well this must be the one we're talking about yeah so they're just wandering around skinning snakes for (laughs) i'd like to know how long they were doing that for before before the man in black was like this isn't this isn't right (laughs) 40 grand a day come on (laughs) i'm not um yeah i'm wasting myself here um yeah, so this is this is a great set. The, the Man in Black gets all the good action scenes, I think, uh, or certainly the lion's share of them. But honestly, like when, when he gets like confronted by, um, I didn't actually catch this lady's name. I just called her Snake Lady. Um, yeah, so did I. I but when, didn't catch her name again. When when he's confronted by her and her and her gang, and they're like, you know, obviously planning to kill her. And then, and then he's just like, and he just decides he's gonna shoot a couple of her members. Oh, to, that was great. But that, but like her, it's, I've got a be honest like if they just let him that like they're the slowest gunslingers i've ever seen in my life like they, ha- <laughs> they had the drop on them they had guns pointed at them and he still managed to kill two of them without them even <laughs> shooting at him it's like, Looks like a couple of positions opened up yeah well uh, and, and, and rightfully so like he clearly picked out the weak links in that group because yeah. they, they were rubbish but um yeah a, a great a, another great line for uh for ed helms character ed helms ed harris's character rather ed helms is not in this as far as i'm aware um, i'd love ed helms to be here with his banjo like <laughs> that would be hilarious maybe in season two maybe in season two <laughs> yeah, that's why uh, i went downhill yeah <laughs> yeah it just turns into the hangover it's really odd um but yeah so i'm i'm very much looking forward to uh to where this goes at well, and and where it goes later in this episode there's a there is something we're gonna have to discuss later on to do with a pyrotechnic request that i mm. i we'll get we'll get to it 
we will get felt to a that. Bit, felt a little bit Hunger Gamesy that one. Um, so basically, uh, I just wanted to sort of mention here as well. Throughout this episode, now we've talked about this before, so we don't have to dwell on it for too long. But I just really was engaged in the actual storyline of of the of this bandit gang breaking them out, and like even like the, the backstory of the snake lady. I was really engaged in the actual Westworld storyline, and it's as you say that uh, sometimes, even if this was just a Western show, and like and they were just showing us the stories that they've made for the guests. I would be happy enough just to sit and watch it like it's yeah. Well, really I mean, it, it goes back to what we've been saying for the past few episodes. Like one of the re- really big, the, the 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 really good strengths of this show is that the narratives, the sort of traditional Western narratives it delivers, are so good. It, you know, they are stereotypical. They are pretty by the numbers, but they're still. That doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that they you know you've seen them before and you need to have something else and this totally does have something else on top of that which means that they they just serve as like really really fun kind of window dressing for the series and yeah this whole mm-hmm. this whole bandit thing is is great fun i love i love the the fucking explosive cigars that just don't <laughs> like okay I, I don't understand how those work <laughs> like this just like sucking on dynamite like. yeah there's a lot I, I like if you take a step back and actually analyze this plan it's like none of this should have worked but i don't care like whatever <laughs> like, it was fun anyway and you know it ends with a great scene which we won't, i won't talk about just yet but but where lawrence is facing a firing squad <laughs> second time he saved yeah um yeah so Security man next up, uh, sort of it shows him being told that one of the, uh, like Dolores basically has been, has been sent off her loop. Um, and I, my understanding of this was anyway, the way it's portrayed is that the lawman who comes to take her back to her father, um, but is being sort of put up as that, like, that's what's happening. That's the correction they're trying to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the tension that you see mm-hmm. between the hosts here. It's really, it's really, um, it, it's really interesting to see that kind of look between the the lawman host and and Dolores this like steely uh gaze where like the kind of affable personality just drops and it just becomes these two robots like fighting each other essentially yeah. um and it's interesting like this obviously they turn up in the town that the man in black shot up a few episodes ago mm-hmm. where Lawrence's family were um so this is kind of like confirmation at this point that they are um on that she is essentially tailing the man in black. Um, even mm. if she doesn't necessarily know it. Um, yeah. they're, they're heading in very much the same direction. Yep. Yeah, and the, the little daughter, like Lawrence's daughter, actually drew in the sand the picture from the scalp that the man in black has. Yeah. So now Dolores has that image as well. So it's very much this, the right way. I don't think she wasn't given the next clue there, um, but she does have the image that, that the man in black has. So she is definitely on the same path. Um, also, we... In this episode, we got a lot of um, sort of instances of them correcting the park uh, through the storylines and through the hosts that are in the park. Like, so this lawman coming, as well as uh, later on when we have them putting the bandits into prison for the night um, because there's a family coming into town. It's it's interesting because all we've been shown so far is that they come in, they pause everyone, and they do their fixing. But actually, it's cool to see that they have different methods of just like sort of subtly nudging the story back to where it should be, you know? Yeah, I think this is the first time we've seen them employing a host to fix another host. Um, mm-hmm. And it is it is really interesting to see them, uh, yeah, kind of th- their methods of um, of keeping things on track. Yep. Uh, and of course, obviously, Dolores doesn't get put back on track, actually. William says she's with me. 
um and then because he's he's a, a guest i imagine that's why that wasn't pursued any further and she is able to go with him so the uh william is talking to dolores and says like where are you headed um dolores says i you know i question oh yeah like something that william does which is interesting because he's like really self-conscious is like a social anxiety he can't help but talk about how she's a host you know yeah so he's like he's like saying things like you know you know don't use all have regions like loops you have to stay on and stuff or parts yeah. you have to stay on yeah as if, as if she's gonna yeah. talk to him it, it, I, I tell you what it reminds me of is when um I went to see, when I was when I was in college. I went to see one of my friends who was an actor in a play, and before the play started, they were walking around um, in character, like mm-hmm. the audience, kind of um, you know c- communicating with um, communicating with the audience, and and you know I don't know, I can't remember what they were doing. But my friend came up to me and tried to talk to me in character, and I was like, and I was basically like, oh, you're doing a really good job at this, and like kind of just talk, like I out, <laughs> outright. I I am not an actor, and I was outright. I am not going to engage with this narrative this this role playing in the slightest i'm going to talk to you as my friend and yeah. uh, and that feels like what william's doing here like he's too self-conscious to engage with the narrative so he's just like yeah, listen yeah, yeah. i'm gonna call a spade a spade you're a host <laughs> i know you're a host let's talk on that level yeah let's talk turkey but basically uh <laughs> that that reminds me actually of uh, i think i've told you about this before but there was a there was a time when like my wife used to work she still works there sometimes but she used to work a lot in a uh, living history place where she would pretend to be an ancient celt from the bronze age or the Iron Age, I think it's the Bronze Age. Um, and basically, yeah. uh, she lives in a little dwelling all day, and people come and see her, and then she pretends to be a Celt, and she shows them around her house and everything. So me and my brother, when it, this is when we were like 18, 19, we went, we went to see her in this tour. And unfortunately, like I myself would never really partake with with uh, like people in character like you, but because it was my wife, you know, or my girlfriend at the time, I was like, ah, fuck it, let's just do this, it'd be funny. Um, and we went down to the to the little Iron Age dwelling or Calactic dwelling, and uh, my brother and I pretended to be Marty and Doc from Back to the Future. Oh my and god! We, and she came to pick us up for the tour, and we were like, do you have any? Do you have any petrol? Or do you have any diesel? We need we need to get this time machine <laughs> oh, going my- again. You know. This makes me that makes me want to die inside like the <laughs> the, the cringiness of what you've just described there. I I don't have it in me. Uh the whole the funny thing was is that there was another woman working with her. Um and we were like we went off the deep end. Like they took us into the dwelling and were talking about family and then my, my brother went off this on this story. They were asking about like does he have any children and stuff cuz like you know they they would have children very young at that age and they're like do you have any children do you have you know and he's like I did. And they were uh, taken <laughs> in the night you know it's my brother and, like they were taken in the night and like my wife you can see her face but she couldn't like she was almost like gonna die laughing but she couldn't like her face was straight and then it was funny because um when we left my wife told me this later when we left uh the woman who she was working with she didn't know who we were and she turned around to my wife and went what a pair of dickheads <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> and she was right to do so yeah. <laughs> that's great but yeah well i mean that's what william should have done here is you know get into character william have some fun but um yeah i very much empathize with him not wanting to do that (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly um all right okay um so uh let's see dolores has another one of those little flashbacks where she says um that the the, she see it's like darkness and then she sees a moon and it turns into a light she gets a flashback of the spacemen like, I think she sees a church as well in it, which seems to be uh, seems to be a recurring feature of um, Ford's new narrative. That um, maybe maybe that's gonna like we saw like the roof of like a black church 
at the end of episode two or what looked like a kind of steeple of a black church um at the end of episode two so i'm I'm interested to see how that kind of symbolism all ties back into something yep yep um i think that yeah that has come back a lot and I, in fact actually the three shows we've covered on this podcast as well as a load of other shows in real life you know still uh, i don't know why i said it in real life there but you know what i mean um religion is a huge thing in western media have you noticed this like not even yes. western actually yeah it's like Every, nearly every show you watch these days has some sort of allusion to religion and some sort of like deep analogy it's like oh my god it's actually like religion well um, yeah i mean it is kind of like the basis of most judeo-christian society to be to be yeah. fair we spent a long time being guided by religion so it only makes sense but but yeah, very much exactly. so in this but i, I mean it's it, it's um it's it, it feels like they're gonna subvert it like it into something kind of dark um I don't know how yet, but the Wyatt stuff definitely feels like we're getting into kind of like devil worshipper territory or something mm-hmm. in, in, in this narrative, which I'm excited to see. Um, also, actually, I will say in, in the like, I don't want to call it a flashback, so I don't know what it was, but in the visions, I guess, that Dolores had, um, it, it, she sees like the scientist checking up on her and then and then he hear, she hears William's voice coming from the scientist. And I was, oh. when I heard that, I was like, what's going on there? I think it's just a presentational <laughs> thing where it's like, it was actually just his voice talking to he her was in the snapping real world. Her out of it. Yeah, but I was, but at the time, I was like, "Hello, what's going on, what's <laughs> yeah, going on there? I've, I've noticed something I shouldn't have." There. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so keep keep my eye on William turning up as an employee of the park at some point in the, in the near future. Uh, that's great. Uh, okay, uh, Man in Black now. Um, Oh, there was a really interesting. Like he's with this bandit group, and they're gonna go and try and break Hector out of jail. Yeah. Um. Usually they have to wait three days. He's gonna sort of advance that process. Um. But there was a really interesting when they're around the campfire. A really interesting moment where a different guest comes up to him and says, "Like, excuse me, sir. Like, your foundation literally saved my sister's life." And then he's like, "One more word, and I'll cut your throat." <laughs> yeah. This is my fucking vacation. Um. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so. I think the man in black is like a doctor or something, and I, I think you know I've said that before that I think he he is the the potentially the Tommy that the young Ford um, host mentions, um, and it would be I think it would be interesting for them to both be scientists for 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 Ford to kind of go into um, like a, a biology to or like like I guess it would be sort of partially engineering as well to to get. Um, to get the, the the hosts up and running whereas mm-hmm. the man in black went into medical science maybe or something like that or or you know set up some kind of foundation that deals with that kind of stuff and a, and a great um it's just a great moment to to be like wait what <laughs> like so the, <laughs> yeah. the, the guy who's been torturing and murdering people seemingly at will is like a philanthropist in <laughs> in, in in the real world um Maybe it's just you know it, maybe it's just going to be a kind of um, a, a something to make us reflect on on the idea of like worshiping heroes in the real world and like you know even someone who might appear to be very good has this darker side to them. But I think this is more than that. I think it's 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 asking us to reflect on what we've actually seen him do in the park um, mm. over the past four episodes and and whether all of that while some of it is monstrous, whether it's in service of a, a greater good that we are yet to see because that's kind of that's kind of where i am with him at the moment as a character okay cool
cool. Yeah, yeah. And he knows Arnold as well. He fucking mentions Arnold. So um, yeah, so yeah, he goes off to. He's actually arrested, um, and they're going off to free Hector um, to help out the Snake Lady so that they can get her story because that's what they need for the next level of the game. Um, and yeah, when he's in the uh, in the coach, um, he mentions Arnold. To, he's describing. Or maybe this is just before they get in the coach. Anyway, anyway, he's talking about the story to Arnold, and he talks, and he sort yeah. of knows, and he says that Arnold broke his own rule. He got killed in the park, um, and then that's where he mentions to Lawrence that uh, that he's there to set Lawrence free. Yeah, so so I mean, he talks about first off, he shows the scalp again here, and that thing cannot smell good at this point. Like it, <laughs> yeah. that has been just meat that's just been stuck in his pocket for like three days as he walks through the desert now it's gotta not be real meat not real meat it is to say i mean it looks real enough to me like that's it's it's wetware yeah sure <laughs> it's actually yeah it just turns into turns into styrofoam when it's uh, detached from the body for that length of time um but yeah so he talks about um obviously yeah arnold breaking his own rule getting uh, and and uh ending up dying um and then he talks about how he wants to honor arnold's legacy which is an interesting kind of vague assertion of what he plans to do because it makes me wonder what arnold's legacy actually is at first mm-hmm. i was like that people can't die here or that he does want people to die here basically like that he wants this to be like real life which i, th- I think kind of fits in with this idea of him trying to free the hosts that he's essentially wants them to wants the the visitors to have consequences for their actions and wants the hosts to be able to be fully real i guess um Mm. but then there's also as you said like the interesting discussion about how he wants to you know set the hosts free and it is an interesting question about free will in this character and i think it's one that will probably become even more so once we know what is actually motivating the man in black but certainly from where i'm sitting at the moment he feels like a character who is motivated he, he's basically a slave to his own instincts and mission like he feels like someone who is motivated maybe by like a lust for vengeance or something like that um and so it's it's interesting and perhaps slightly hypocritical for him to be kind of lording it over lawrence and saying like your choices aren't your own they're all predestined for you when it actually feels like kind of he's in the same position as well um that you know he he doesn't have a choice in what he's doing he has to do these things because of something that has driven him to them um so i'll be fascinated to see what comes of his character like where where i I really want to find out what his motivations are because i suspect He's not actually that different to the hosts in that respect. Another After Dark podcast show, another show which questions free will. That's that's what we do around here. That's what yep. we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's gonna be good to see that going forward. They do get to the prison. Uh, yeah. They remind us that Lawrence is the most is the most wanted man in three territories, uh, and he gets like taken away by the the gun squad. Uh, man in black goes into the cell. Hector's there. Um, lovely, lovely Hector. Yeah, just hanging uh, out. He gets dressed out. I love when he gets like dressed down by uh, the man in black. He's just like you feel like you were designed by a committee or something, you know, like tasteful scar, like. <laughs> and and it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you basically just described like the bandit with the heart of gold, like stereotype perfectly there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I like the fact that that's like that's why he never really knew this character because he's like, I just couldn't be bothered with you. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to get onto the real stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. So it's really cool. Um. And then he like he yeah this is where the pyrotechnic effect happens. So basically he takes a match out and then it goes back to the security man in the um in the head headquarters and they're like got a I got a request for a pyrotechnic effect and he's like 
I'll allow it or whatever he says. Yeah. You know, like, a, you know, so, okay it. And it's like two s- cigars that explode. It was... This part felt to me a little Hunger Games, to be honest with you. The way, like, even though it's obviously very similar to Hunger Games in, in the way it's set up in terms of the park and everything, but when you're, like, requesting things like this, it, it's it felt a little bit like... I don't know. To me, it felt a little bit like, oh, we have to keep showing people that it's not real. Like, it, I don't think yeah. this is necessary. Yeah, I, I, I just... This is the first time in this show where I was like, wait, what? Like, so... Is everything in this park laced with explosives so that they can make a pyrotechnic? Because it, if if oh, it, I didn't okay. But like, so if the cigars are explosive, the cigars are explosive. They have no control over that back at the, back at the the um back at the you know control room, which means the cigars aren't explosive and they have some way of creating an explosive effect in localized areas which means every single thing in the park has to potentially have explosives in it so that they could then do the fucking explosives effect it just doesn't make any sense it's just stupid like it would have made so i i didn't take it from that i took it that these were explosive cigars but like you have to have permission to use an axe like the hosts have to have axe permission uh like you know even though it's a guest doing it they have to like they, they don't want to guess going in and burning down all of their towns they've built. Yeah, okay. So I guess that does make more sense that it's like they are explosive, but they're not. Still they're permission. not like lit by a match. They're like remotely detonated from from um, you know the control. I think room it's just like like the, the, the explosives within them have to be ticked to say yes, you can use this explosive. Yeah, because I think otherwise. Someone could just go in and literally burn everything to the ground. You imagine you know? that, like someone, like the lawman comes up and says, "You seem like you're having a little too much fun here, partner." <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, tries yeah. to like guide him away from burning down this entire, burning the, the whole sweet water down. Or like that, that guy with the eye patch comes up and goes, "Yeah, it's like hello, treasure." Friend. Over- yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Could I shift your eyes over to the treasure <laughs> in the mountains? You know, <laughs> like that was. We gotta get him out of there. Yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, I, I like to tell myself that it is like that they they give permission for the explosive itself because otherwise the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, I, I, it, I, but it just felt unnecessary to me. Like I do, I don't know why they felt the need to do that. It, it's it's a it's a tiny thing, and I'm sure like the Westworld fans in the comments will be like, "Why are you getting hung up on this?" Um, but it's just. It it, it it stood out to me in something that's been really re- well written so far as just a really needless moment of explaining something that didn't really need explaining. Yeah, no, no, it didn't. I like, I, I can't remember myself if there's something in the future. I can't remember. Like, is it maybe, maybe that there's? I, I need to watch this whole show again. I've seen it a couple of times, but not for a while. I can't remember if there's a moment like later in the season where like someone wants to explode something, but they don't let them. Like that might have been set up for that, which I can't remember. If maybe it was, you know, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, if it comes back. And it becomes an important plot point. I will hold my hands up and say, "Fair enough." They introduced it in season one, but yeah, in this episode, I was like, "That felt unnecessary." <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I just didn't like the veil being lifted there. I thought we wanted to stay in the moment, you know. Yeah. Um. Okay. So back at camp, uh, he saved Lawrence again, obviously, he's, and he's taken the uh, Hector and stuff back to camp. Oh yeah, we get the great um, scene with Lawrence, like kind of the classic scene facing a firing yeah. squad, and they're like, "Ready, <laughs> aim!" And then you hear the guns firing, and Lawrence is kind of like wincing as he's tied to a post. It feels like a Quentin Tarantino scene. This that is, it's yeah, very, yeah. it's it's very comedically shot, um, and it's yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just uh, missing like sort of like a R and B hit the track of a Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some Motown comes in as they're uh, <laughs> as, as they're all dying. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, um, so back at camp now. Um, and they get... Uh, I think that might be skipping something. Oh, yes. No, 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 I'm not. Uh, the snake lady actually tells him the story now, obviously, because they, yep. get, they get him back. Um, so he has uh, many names is the person who... <laughs> Although I will say the storyline, the back, the background storyline of like getting the tattoo with their blood and like, and the snake is the head of the snake still has to be colored in because she hasn't got the the, the main guy Wyatt yet. Yeah. Um. I I really enjoyed that to be honest with you. I, like I, I thought that was a really cool backstory. The snake on her, why it's half colored in. I just thought it was really cool. And obviously we now get the tie into the Wyatt storyline. Well, it's really interesting you say that though because it is really cool. But this is another example of a character like Teddy where it's like, oh, she had like this mysterious backstory. Like she was never gonna get. You know, she was never yeah, going to yeah, get yeah, like, yeah. like they just never bothered coming up with who the who the main bad guy was that that she needed to kill to get the head of the snake, and then they come up with this Wyatt storyline, and it's like, oh, there you go, you can have you can have a bit of a role in this, in this as well. Yeah. So before this, there was never any answer for why her snake looked no. like that, but now there is. Yeah. Um. It, yeah, it is cool. Uh. But you know, it it is what it is at this point. But the new storyline, I agree with. It. I think it's lovely. Um. It's a shame that whenever we're talking about Wyatt here, we don't get Teddy. You know, saying he came back <laughs> yeah. some strange. Ideas. Well, we might do in the next episode because <laughs> I've got I've got some recanting to do in this episode. I said in the last episode he died another time, but. Hold on to your seats, listeners, because yeah. he, he might be making a And we actually went a whole episode without him dying here. Like, I know, it's, unbelievable. It's unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> um, okay, so Maeve uh, sees a doll of Spaceman. Now, I've seen this show many times, and I don't know why. I, I remember, I, I saw this, and I, even me for a split second, I was like, this must be a vision. This must be a vision. She, <laughs> this mustn't be real. Uh, but yes, she has, sees a doll of a Spaceman, and a guy says that that's part of their cult. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm still trying to get my head. I get again. This is a chronology thing around around. So Maeve has been at this drawing this spaceman for a while. Obviously, it's like you know, it's a it's a an, an approximation of the scientists who work on her. And the the fact that that has also been brought into the Wyatt storyline um, through um, what we find out later. Um, that that Hector has been uh, kind of consorting with with um, you know the, these these cult like uh, Native Americans out in a particular area, which seems to be very similar to where Wyatt is operating. Um, the fact that they've they've brought that in to that narrative means mm-hmm. that Ford must know that Maeve has been doing these drawings. Like, as why else would he do it? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, maybe, maybe just because, uh, just in case they remember the suits, you know. I guess. So. Oh, and, yeah. Maybe it's not just for me. Maybe but... he, he was. Just, maybe he was just predicting that that could happen, and we are seeing his prediction come true with Maeve. Yeah, possibly. Um, but it's still. It just feels like it feels quite dangerous to be like. Yeah, I don't like. You know, this is this is uh, what's actually going on behind the scenes, and this could potentially jog some memories. But whatever, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. That, it just feels very like laissez-faire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it depends. Depends what his uh, his um, his aim is, I suppose. And, you know, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Which we can talk a little bit about in the next scene, actually, because in the next mm. scene, um, well, first of all, we get Bernard and Teresa talking about uh, bellies, but after that scene, we get uh, Ford and Teresa. Uh, talking about lots of different things. I will just mention first of all a lovely line. I lo- sometimes sometimes shows just give you a lovely little bit of dialogue, and, and you think, "Geez, that 
that rider probably paddled himself on the back that day because Ford's standing there while this huge machine's getting rid of rocks and he just turns around and goes, rocks don't like to move, but we'll move them yet. <laughs> I just loved it. I thought it was lovely. It is a good line. It's, it's a very, it's a kind of line that really needs Anthony Hopkins to say it. Like, cause yeah, it's, yeah. It, there's a certain kind of, it's just like a gravitas to it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Ford is digging out a big hole. Um, yeah. For some reason, I think there's clear in this scene the 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 slave owner imagery is very clear to me. Like there's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. like black and Asian hosts digging in the heat and serving food while a rich white man kind of lords over them, which yep. is a which is a bizarre thing for him to lean into the optics of. Um, on top of, you know the the position he occupies as kind of like the the god as he sees himself of mm-hmm. the hosts to 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 kind of mire himself in that like kind of racial imagery is is bizarre to to me um it's one of those things that uh, i don't know there's always a line in in sort of imagery like that is like are they just doing that for us to sort of draw that comparison yeah i don't i don't know if he went i'm gonna pretend to be a slave owner like because that's the domination i have over these people and make sure they're asian and make sure they're black i don't yeah. know if he the character i don't think ford is particularly making the decisions consciously it's just that it's showing us that there is that aspect to him, which I think is really cool. Yeah, uh, like there's definitely been a turn in Ford's character in the last two episodes. And in, in the last one, we saw him kind of cutting the the host's face and and swearing mm-hmm. that they have no no feelings, no sense of self. And in this, we see him taking that dehumanization mm-hmm. or de I don't know what you call it for something that's not a human, but but that but that like kind of removal of the of the sense of self to its most like monstrous and logical conclusion, where it's he's essentially a slave owner. It's like these things are yeah. tools to be used and then disposed of, which is literally what we see them do, um, uh, what we see him do with them in this scene. And then um, it, it's taken even further than that because obviously he and Teresa have a conversation about how she's uh going to go to the board with his uh about the disruptions caused by his new narrative and uh he says that the boards um have sent a i can't remember what he calls them but like a overseer or something like that someone to check yeah, out the new narrative mm-hmm. he said they've sent them already which to me says that we've already met them though i don't know who that would be representative um, they say yeah yeah representative um yeah i don't know who that would be mate i don't know William, maybe. I feel like, I feel like the fact that they say, "Oh, they're already here," makes me think we've already met them. But maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree with that. Um, well, you did, you did say that, they, like, the company that William and Logan potentially work for have a stake in the. They did mention that in this episode. Yeah, it, it doesn't. I'd like if it would feel odd for them to be. I guess the people who like the representatives wouldn't necessarily need to be board members themselves. They would just need to mm-hmm. work for a, a company that's represented on the board. So it could be William and Logan, actually. Um, that's probably where I uh, I would say it's most likely to be at the moment. But maybe it's just someone we haven't met yet. Um, but then, yeah, we get the conversation about how Teresa came here as a child and didn't like it then and still doesn't like it. And then the revelation that they are sat at the same table that they were sat at when Teresa came here as a child. And, yeah. it, and, and it just like, it sparks off this chain of incredibly ominous, um, inc- uh, kind of controlling, it's slightly like, well, in fact, very menacing uh, actions and remarks that Ford makes, where it's just like, he has such control over not just the hosts who he views as tools, but the people who work for him, that to be honest, he seems to also view as tools. Um, mm-hmm. So he doesn't he doesn't think twice about 
invoking Teresa's childhood here and being like, yeah, we're going to sit at the same table that you sat at to show you that I know everything about you as well. Like, there's no, there's no hiding from from me. Like, I'm all all controlling. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then he starts saying some of the uh, some of the stuff he says here. So. He had. Uh, he says that things should have remained. Oh, Arnold said that things should have remained balanced here, uh, and then Ford says he lost that bet, so implying that things did not remain balanced. So I'm not entirely sure what what that means. Um, and then he, and then he says, "In here we were gods, and you were merely our guests." Which again, it's pretty. It's it's pretty highfalutin language that he's using. I there. think that he's ref- in that point. Am I right in thinking that he was referencing sort of the money men coming in, like the. The, yeah. the, like the the money men like Teresa's people are the the guests to the creator's uh world you know what i mean that yeah was, yeah i thought that was interesting because it shows you he does view himself as above them and it also it leads to the idea that that's why he does view himself as the most important and like to the point where he even sort of almost not threatens her but he but he basically is like don't get in my way you know yeah well i mean yeah so he says arnold lost his perspective and then it's like, and then he's like i'll warn you this once don't get in my way now i am not a professional writer i've never written a film but i would argue that never once in the history of any story ever has a good guy said don't get in my way <laughs> like in, in the way that anthony hopkins says it here like that is classic bad guy patter right there so i'm yeah, I'm I'm and and then and the way the scene ends, which is bizarre in 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 itself, like join the others, they all walk off and you see like the machine coming to destroy presumably the plantation as well. Um mm. but where are they all going? And like what it it's it, it just he has such control and it's so menacing. It's it's brilliantly done this scene, but it just leaves you with so many questions for what his narrative is actually doing. Yeah, because they they have a thought that it's going to be um, a retrospective uh, of his time there, um, but he says he's not the sentimental type. Um, yeah, and he he's mentioned the maze, and like the the maze has come up in the Wyatt storyline, which means Ford knows about the maze, and he therefore knows that Dolores and the Man in Black presumably are looking for it. It does make me wonder if he's literally digging out a maze to <laughs> like, and it's going to be it's going to be far more literal than I thought it was. It's just going to end with a with a corn maze. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be that would be funny. Like, lovely, you know, a lovely time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So William is being socially awkward again because as they um, are about to go and fulfill the quest that he wanted to go on and like take a, take this guy in, um, he says to Dolores, no, "No, seriously, you have to stay here. You can die in there, but I can't." And you can imagine Dolores is like, "What are you talking about?" I, I love the way she looks at him. is is great. It's like, it's like a it's like a meme. It's just like it's like what? <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Which Stop trying to enforce sell a sense of self on the hosts, William. <laughs> like just get in yeah, get yeah. in the spirit of it. Yeah, and, and um so they go in, uh they they, they do some killing. Can um, I just point out point out that Logan, when he kicks the door open, utters the phrase slap leather cocksuckers, which I don't know what that means. Uh right. <laughs> what is slap what is slapping leather? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand, I I got the general gist of it from the way he said it, but I as soon I had to I had to pause it and rewind it just to make sure that's what he said. Slapping leather, yeah, that just is... slap some leather. Even, 
I didn't even question it. Like I just, I just, I just went with that. Like let's slap some leather. Yeah, I was, I was cowboy would say. floored by it. I was like, what the hell does slapping leather mean? Yeah, like it, it seems like something a cowboy would say. So I don't. I, I don't yeah, I that's don't know. true. That, it, it passes the eye test for cowboy phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, okay, so. Um, Logan gets a new gun as well, so he like loot upgraded, like you know, a little reminder it's a game as well. And yeah. then um as I don't well, know how so... he knew that that was better. <laughs> like it's well, he's so... been there he's been there a lot of like, I guess, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um so basically, um uh the next thing well actually we'll skip the ne- the next little part, but we'll go we'll go on to I think the fact that um just to end off the end these characters' storyline for the episode, um they're they're taking this guy back and then he says, you know, well, you know, Come, let me go. I'll take you to my boss, Alazo, or whatever, yeah. and he'll he'll have a little money for you. And then, like Logan, immediately shoots the shoots <laughs> the uh, bounty hunter in the head. Yeah, and then says, "Oh, Alazo is an Easter egg." Now we've got our now we've got our story, and it's just yeah, like yeah. Logan. He's, like, he's one of the best best rides in the park. You know? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Logan is such a utter piece of shit. He really is, I, and I love the the like Mexican standoff they end up in where like he's he's like saying oh it's fine I'll just kill Dolores then and he's like well I'm gonna kill the fucking <laughs> like prisoner we've got here then and they're just like both of them taking a hostage and threatening them essentially yeah and also um as as well as that uh the he calls them robots as well like to their face um yeah. so that's this is all ticking away in Dolores's head like you know yeah <laughs> it's all adding up let's just say yeah I I feel like I remember like playing those old like oh, they're not that old but the the like telltale um like point and click adventure games where mm. you do you do an action and then it would like say up in the corner of the screen like Dolores will remember that that's I, f- I feel like I feel like this entire storyline with William <laughs> and Logan is filled with these moments where it's like Dolores is gonna remember a lot of this and she's probably not gonna be that happy about a bunch of it to be honest yeah yeah exactly okay uh then okay then we get teddy back teddy's hung up hung up on a tree with a vulture yep. next to it um and he's been left behind by wyatt it seems really yeah. really beat up yep color me surprised he he actually survived that beating that he got at the end of the last episode i was convinced he died but here he is um asked to be put out of his misery um and uh and uh, the man in black responds it looks like misery is all you've got left and lets him go which is you know it's, it's interesting because by the end of this episode we've got Dolores on the path to uh, the maze with William and Logan. We've got the man in black, Lawrence, and now Teddy on the path to the maze. Uh, and by the final scene of this episode, it seems like Hector and Maeve might be on that path as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all coming together. Connor. It is. It is. It, it is all coming together. Yeah. So um, Hector goes in for the second raid. Was any part of you thinking, yes, we're going to find out what Lee Sizemore's speech was all about here? <laughs> yeah. I, I no. I I I'd forgotten all about. <laughs> my my main thought actually was uh, in the last episode. I said like the, the 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 visitors who got in with those like shitty bandit hosts lack imagination and could have gotten in with a much cooler gang of bandits in Hector's gang. But I have to say. We've seen this raid happen twice now, and every single time it ends incredibly badly. And they're not like this isn't like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where they're you know hitting loads and loads of towns and making loads of money. This is a safe in a brothel. Like it's not that much money that they're stealing, and they're just all dying. Mm. It, it just seems like an incredibly bad plan from these guys as well, to be honest. And also, we know that uh, the man in black has already told him that you're not going to get what you want in that safe. So yeah. Yeah, it, it, I just feel like the the bandits in this are 
very one note, which I like because it works for the sake of um, you know them being stereotyped. But it's it, it is really funny watching them do this and just be like you're just all gonna die. This isn't this isn't gonna go well. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it didn't go well at all for him here because instead of stealing the uh, the safe, all of his cr- gang got arrested. Uh, oh, actually, no, not all of them did. The snake lady got shot about a hundred times. Like. Yeah, yeah, she got shot. Well, I mean, if you will just stand out in the open with a bunch of guns, it's gonna happen. Like, there's no, there's, yeah. there's no, no notion of taking cover for the snake lady. I could, I just could not believe how much they were shooting. Yeah, they, sh- they shot her a lot. They, they, they shot her a lot. Yeah, she was definitely dead by the time, by the time they were done with her. So Maeve questions uh, Hector. He finds out that these spacemen are called Shades. Yes. Um, and apparently they're men who walk between worlds sent from hell to oversee our world. Mm. Um, Indeed. Uh, Maeve then goes on to talk about how that she has no wound, but she remembers being shot. Um, Hector cuts her open. Uh, well, actually, first he doesn't want to because he has too much respect for women. Well done, Hector. Yep, bandit um, with a heart of gold. Yep. Uh, so... Finally, they cut the cutter open. There is a bullet there. Um, uh, so she wasn't, you know, she wasn't crazy. She she remembers it. Um, also, there's a, there's a nice line from Hector as well where he says, the Dreamwalker said, it's a blessing from God to see the masters who pull your strings. Mm. What do you think about this whole last scene? Um, I think it's it's great from just like a kind of action storytelling standpoint. It's really exciting. Um I think it's great. It's a great moment of characterization for Hector and Maeve because we haven't really seen that much of Hector, to be honest. And and lo- lovely to see Maeve, um, like really, uh, like uh, basically like bossing around this this frightening uh, frightening bandit. Being like, no, you are going to cut this bullet out of me. Um, and as I said, I think it puts them both on the path to the maze as well because you know they're following these spacemen looking things towards. The, na- the natives that worship them, uh, which seems to tie p- perhaps into the Wyatt storyline as well. Um, and I love them both going out, essentially saying, like, fuck it, just being gunned down through a door by by sheriffs who knew- heard th- a woman's voice and they were just like, come on out, we're shooting. And it's like, do you want know <laughs> yeah. maybe check that there's not like a hostage behind that door first or something? But also, it's a brothel. Like, what are the chances that there actually is like just normal innocent people in there yeah. who aren't involved in the guns shooting outside? Yeah, they, 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 they have no time for that. They're just going to fire through every door and then they'll deal with the repercussions of that later. Um, well, I suppose they have been pointed where to go from the people backstage. Like, they have been told to clear up the town for the families yeah, coming in. So um but yeah and this is all done yeah. to the the music of uh music of carmen as well which i very much enjoyed uh so i don't know why they chose like opera for this bit but it yeah. but it works very well i think yeah also it, it sort of it's a nice like difference to the last time we saw this same scene happen yeah um okay awesome well that, that's the episode conrad uh would you like to get into the roundup yeah let's do it Okay, the IMDb rating is 8.7, so it's gone up again. Um, it's, it's so hard to pick between these. I know this is like a nothing answer, but they're all so good that I'm kind of like, this is just, it's just been like, it started well and it has continued very well. There hasn't really been a down episode yet. So, I mean, sure, 8.7. I don't know if I'd say this is better than the previous three, but it's definitely not worse than them. So, mm-hmm. around about that spot, I think, works for me. Okay, that's, that's fair enough to me. Um, okay, theories coming out of this episode then. What have you got? 
Um, so, I mean, we've gone through most of them already, but just to reiterate, so I, I think the man in black is, like, in medicine in some respect in the real world. Like, I think his foundation is probably, like, a kind of uh, charity that deals with, uh, deals with maybe particularly rare or, um, or hard-to-treat diseases. Um, I think, given the way he was talking about it, I think Ford had a hand in Arnold's murder. I still think a host killed Arnold. Um, because they've made a point of saying he thought he couldn't die in the park and he did which to me is saying a host killed him but i think ford Mm. kind of maybe let it happen or maybe engineered it to happen or something like that um just because he's talking in very like machiavellian terms about it um and then uh what i said at the beginning i think the center of the maze is uh the fourth level of arnold's pyramid of consciousness and ford is leading people towards that to try and find out what it is okay Awesome. Uh, lots of theories there. Looking forward to seeing how they get on in the future. Um, yeah. I think you've got more theories on this one at this point than you did in the OA at this point, I think. Yeah, I think so. I'm on about 20-odd... Uh, 18 theories I've got at the moment in the first four episodes. So we're going well. We're we're on like over four an episode. Yeah, okay. Uh, awesome. Uh, let's move on to a couple of questions then. So first question comes from uh, Lord Stannis. Good to have you back my lord uh he says uh the native indians in the park are called ghost nation mm. is that uh is their myth of the shade i.e the man in the biohazard suit uh programmed and part of the narrative uh yeah yeah i definitely think it is like there's no way <clears throat> that like a dude looking like a, a man in a in a, a biohazard or a, a, a um what's it called ppe suit is by accident like that i i feel like <clears throat> ford, ford is is leading a lot of hosts towards the reality that they live in because he wants to see what happens at the end of it and i think i actually think there's several people working at the park who are trying to do the same thing i think bernard is doing something similar on a much smaller level just with dolores although obviously he's telling her to he's telling her to pursue this maze as well which tells me that mm-hmm. the, the idea of this maze predates the narrative because bernard is aware of it um and the new narrative ford hasn't really told him anything about that yet um but i i definitely think that all of these kind of direct hints to the outside world have been very explicitly designed into it okay uh although the idea of a shade um, isn't theirs i will say like you know shades shades is a, a, a an old concept okay um and what about uh was lord center sort of carries it on and says well Another aspect of it could be like maybe they created it themselves because they've been seeing maybe these are the hosts that have seen like Maeve, like seeing the thing over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Have like that is there an aspect of that which maybe could be their own creation? Um So I think I mean I don't think so because I think if they had fa- if if the the people who run the park had witnessed a group of hosts creating symbolism and spiritualism out of an an idea or an image they've seen that that's like what to me that feels like what ford is trying to achieve like this idea of like Mm -hmm. creating a sense of the world and then finding your place in that uh that he hasn't been able to get the hosts to do yet and i think that something like that maybe i think that's maybe what they're trying to do by sewing this into the ghost nation uh natives um uh like spiritualism 
but I feel I can't. I don't think they did it themselves because I feel like that would be a really big deal uh, in the park if if they'd have come up with that idea themselves. Okay. Interesting. Uh, next question from Shade of the Evening. Um, does Conrad have any guesses as to what Ford's Ford's narrative is? <sighs> I I mean I've literally got no idea. Like it was about Wyatt and like devils and a civil war thing, and now he's digging big holes in the ground. Uh. I think I, I'm just gonna say I think he's digging a physical maze. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I think that's what that he's making a big old maze in the ground with his diggers. <laughs> like that's what his narrative is. It's gonna be really disappointing. Okay, awesome. Uh, no prob. And let me see here. There was a question from Donny Stats actually, but I think he kind of answered it. Um, okay. Does this opening scene with Dolores and Bernard um, being a flashback mean that because you said it was a flashback? be that all the similar scenes uh, we've seen uh, to this in the first three episodes are also flashbacks. So I think maybe expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I'm still, I'm not decided either way. I keep being like, this feels like a narrative framing device that you have at the beginning of an episode and then say, and now we're going to flashback to, you know, what actually happened on this day. And, and, and because they keep returning to it, it feels like that to me. But it's odd that they're talking about things as they're coming up in the episode or, or after they come up in the episode where they appear which as i said at the beginning might just be clever editing to kind of make you unsure about where they sit i i think as it stands at the moment i'm kind of falling on these are probably flashbacks and mm-hmm. and everything that we're seeing is leading up to the long conversation that bernard and dolores are going to have maybe at the end of the season or something like that um but uh but i could go either way on that still like it, I, i'm i've it, it's it's brilliantly edited to bits where I'm I'm just not sure what they're where it's where it's sitting. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, that's going to do us, Conrad, for this week. That's episode four in the bag. We are going on to episode five next week. Cannot wait for it. Um, I just I said to Conrad that I probably am just going to skip forward and watch episode ten because I just really can't wait to see all this stuff paid off. And I'm going to go through week to week with Conrad, but I cannot wait to see it. So I'm just going to watch episode ten again just for fun, just for yeah. fun, guys. Just treat yourself. Just treat myself. So if anyone wants to talk to me about episode 10 of this season, pop into the Discord, into the spoilers section or the Anthony section. Yeah, I'm not uh, allowed Conrad, in there. Conrad doesn't look in there. The Anthony's uh, part of the Discord. Uh, and so apart from that, I think that's probably going to do us, Conrad. Any last thoughts this week? I, I, I don't know where this narrative is going. Someone please help me because it just I have got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> give me give, don't actually but you may like send me cl- send me clues in picture form that's what like, yeah. that's what i want all right guys just to remind you as well spoiler tag anything in the comments if you think it's going to spoil conrad he does like looking in the comments as well as that uh subscribe to the channel if you're new here uh like the video that'd be really cool there's little links in the description as well for loads of other stuff have a look at those but apart from that goodbye goodbye thank you for listening The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.